this month, Metal Blade Records will release the latest installment of the label's legendary compilation, Metal Massacre 15. Curated by Decibel Magazine's editor-in-chief, Albert Madrian, the collection will once again contain a sampling of contemporary heavy metal and features exclusive tracks from Midnight, Many Suffer, and Ripped to Shreds. Purchase your copy of Metal Massacre 15 now at metalblade.com slash Metal Massacre. Once again, guys, the compilation we've all been waiting for. Metal Massacre 15. Purchase your copy now. Metalblade.com slash Metal Massacre. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody out there? It is I, your host, Petter Speich. I'm always joined by Brandon Hahn. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at your buddy Gooch. Also, Jocelyn Sharp. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jocelyn Sharp. That's J-O-Z-A-L-Y-N, sharp like a sharp knife, and at Wizard of Jaws on uh, TikTok. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I did my intro right. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. Like a B. You got a solid B on that intro. Good job. <laughs> and also, guys, don't forget to follow our other co-host, Sylvia Alvarado, on It's the Sylvia on Twitter and Instagram. If you guys want to follow me, I'm at Rise to Offend on Facebook and Twitter, Rise to Offend Official on Instagram this week. Oh, what a fun, great episode, guys. I got not one, but three guests on the show. I got Phil Eisler, Scott Ian, and Dave Lombardo. We're here to talk about the Thunder Force soundtrack that they all teamed up and performed on, guys. The soundtrack is out now on all digital platforms. And obviously, if you guys haven't checked out the film, it is currently streaming on Netflix. But before we jump into that interview, let's do a little bit of the Metal Sucks news. All right. It seems like you. Ew, I don't like that sound. Oh, that's why I do it. Can I downvote it? That's why I I do it. I I unvote for it. I think we've all downvoted that sound. He still plays it. I have the sound. I have the soundboard right here. I have my asshole. I I don't like it. I I just love having this power. I don't like it. It's so creepy. All right, guys. Here's our yearly. Made my asshole hurt. Is that what you just said? Yeah, it just like made me like so Uh, like made me shiver like from my spinal cord to your (laughs) my asshole because I was creeped out. Mm, Okay. All right. (laughs) Usually you guys take over the show after the second story. Yeah. But now you're taking over the show at the sound. We're negative one. You know we're gonna jump over. (laughs) We're taking over negative one story. Kick Pete out. Out before we even talk about the news, we're talking Look. about the sounder. Look, we're getting on. We're getting on the back of Jocelyn's asshole, and we're riding it into the sunset. I just like Pete's so nice to me too. He calls me. He's like, "I'm going to do this such a nice thing for me that he's going to do," and I'm like. I'm like, I'm not even worth that. And then I like come here and I'm like, my asshole. My asshole. <laughs> he's like, he's like, no, you're so worth no, it. This hey, is so look, worth uh, it. Yeah. You're hey, priceless yeah. to me, Josh. Yeah. You're hey, priceless Pete, yeah. to thank me. Thank you, Pete. You're thank welcome. you for thank you for all the uh, you know, the the research and the putting together of the show. But look, we got every now and then you gotta let art take its place. You gotta. Yes. And you know what? <sighs> Jocelyn's asshole is gonna put her foot in the door yep. and uh-huh. not take no for an answer. Yeah, you guys ready for yep. the first story? Here we go. <laughs> story. Number one. Story. Story one. <laughs> this is a yearly story we talk about. It seems like we talk about this every year. Seems and like we talk about a lot of stories every, every year. Well, guess like what? We've repeats. been doing it for years. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fun to recap some things. Okay. <laughs> the faceless was late to a show. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the reason 
I like bringing up this story is because we always seem to argue about this every single time. And once again, there is a petition launched to book Metallica for the Super Bowl halftime show. Now, I'm one to find that I don't understand why Metallica can't be on the Super Bowl halftime show. They're one of the biggest. If there's electricity, they can sell at a stadium across the world. They're one of the biggest acts in the world. Everybody can sing half their songs, you know at least from the Black Album, that they can perform on the show. I guess it'd be weird to have Britney Spears come out as a guest, which is required right, on the yeah. halftime here, show. Yeah, here days. comes Adam Levine. Like, <laughs> yeah, I guess it'd be weird to have that guest jump that in. That whiny singing voice yeah, being... just... Oh, God, <laughs> dude. Okay, okay, let's... let's this is uh, how the... <laughs> This is how now the, that makes my asshole hurt. Like this, that's just the idea of Maroon Five like, and exit light. Yeah, oh God, <laughs> shut up and your stupid stomach tattoo. And, and this is how the conversation is different this year. I'm glad you guys followed. Very good. Who would be the guest to jump in when Metallica had the halftime show? Popular guest to jump in and have their 30 seconds of just look. I'm it here. It would be Billie Eilish. This well, year, I think it would be Billie Eilish. Oh, I can see the Lady Gaga and, or Billie and, Eilish thing. And I thing, think that huh? Billie Eilish might be able to pull it off. Well, I mean, we're, we're of, saying any year, but you're saying Billie Eilish can do it. If it's this year. If it's this year, it's for sure. Because she won't matter in two years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well. <laughs> exactly. That green hair is going to, you know, the, the dye is going to run out I just mean that. Understood. I, I just mean that moms like her still. And then oh, it's only going to be the younger generation that continues to like her as, as things go on. So, and I think it's important. We kind of talked about, like, you have to kind of take into account who's watching the halftime show. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying off mic. I was saying, like, look, the halftime show is geared always towards women. Because yeah. guys are always going to tune in just to watch the game. So they got to have something that piques women's interest. So, yeah, you're going to have, you know, and again, that's the Super Bowl halftime show. So you're going to have dancing. You're going to have fireworks. You're going to have fashion. You're going to see all this stuff. And it's like, I'm not trying to put women in a, a category, but come on, that's who you're aiming that towards. You know, I mean, it's like, I love seriously. That. He, goes, he goes, I'm not trying to put women in a category, but this is the category. But this is the category <laughs> that I was trying not to put you in. But you're in it. But there you go. But there Welcome you go. to your box, bitch. Right, exactly. <laughs> let me put you, let me file you right here. We get the game, you get the halftime show. Yes. <laughs> Hey, well, that's how you see it. That's right. Exactly. Get that seven layer dip ready. I never thought about it in that terms, but looking back in the last like five or six years, even the Adam Levine one. Yeah. Even the Adam Levine, that all was that the was one. Gear, that was. But yeah. that's why. All, that's why I don't the last say, one that wasn't was like the Who or Tom Petty. But that's why I don't, I don't that say. That was years ago. I mean, no, that's like what I mean. 10, 15 years yeah, ago. Yeah, that was yeah. a long time ago. But that's why I don't say women. I say moms. Like you have to like a mom personality type is like the type that watches the halftime show. I think it'll be something like it. it are women it moms? Be, yeah, she's <laughs> got a point. They are. They do technically count as moms. They can. <laughs> they can reach saying, that level. They can I'm reach just that saying, mountaintop. Like there's women who who single love, women don't want to see Adam Levine. <laughs> yeah. No, they hate him. They're like gross. Ew. <laughs> Abs. Fuck off. All right. Show me dad bod. <laughs> I hear all this, but back to back to my question. So yours is Billie Eilish. Who do you think would jump out? I, I think and, it would be it would have to be somebody again. Another. I think nostalgia. So I'm going to go a little bit older. I'm not going to go new new breed. But no, you go ahead. What no, do you think? it's definitely not going to be nostalgia because Metallica is the nostalgia. They're you're going to go nostalgia. Do you remember when Beck won? Beck. Best album. Oh, this was years ago. Or was this? Uh, this I, was I, like three years ago. And even three know. years ago, yeah. young kids were like, "Who the fuck is back? Who's yeah. back? Yeah. Why did Beyonce win? Who's back?" And it's funny because I remember Kanye West went off about Beck, and then he, and then he started listening to Beck. He's like, "This guy's a great, brilliant artist," and I'm like, "No shit, stupid!" You know what I mean? Like, it's just. 
It's just hilarious. But I think it would probably end up being, again, it's got to be somebody famous that, that the kids are going to like. So it's going to be somebody dumb like Drake. You know what I mean? I, I, I could see that happening. Miley Cyrus is putting out a Metallica covers album. Ooh, she would kill it though. Boom. That's she, it. there's your link though. She yeah. would kill there's it. Your there's link. your link. If she's putting out a Metallica's cover album, I hey. read that a little while ago, I swear. She would slay it. And she say that album is popular on some level, okay? Yeah. Now we have a shoe in for Metallica and, and Miley Cyrus. I will say and it would be very show. easy to get Pepsi to sign off on that, I think. I think, and I, and I think, you, you, no, she's right. <laughs> You're right. You're right. No. I mean, I, you said See, it. this is, yeah. yeah. Joslyn understands Pepsi's marketing. Like, okay, we yeah. get it. We get Pete's it. over here like, art, art, art. Joslyn's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Capitalism, you crowbar your way in there. You have to get, a, you have to get a white guy in a skinny tie to, yeah. to sign yeah, off like, on oh, it. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's really. Hold up that Pepsi can, smile for the camera. Now, here's your fucking bag. So the only way we can get Metallica on the halftime show is my, the Miley Cyrus route? I think, I think you have to have some tits, it and this is this Lars has got an A cup. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> Lars looks great for his age. He Keep does going. look great for his age. Yeah. He's a daddy. Brandon's He's a daddy. Brennan's being mean. When we're I'm his being... age, we're, we're gonna have the same. Thing. Yeah. No way. I'm gonna be chiseled. <laughs> no, you're not. Yes, making it. Yes, I will. <laughs> He's flexing right now. Count my count my ribs, motherfuckers. <laughs> I just can't I, believe I think, that. I just yeah. think there needs to be some feminine energy because yes. I think that for the, from the marketing standpoint, I think Pepsi is going to be like, well, where's the boobs? Where's you're, the sex? You're right. And I think with Miley Cyrus, uh, she, it's crazy because I thought... I thought. Did she do one before? No. No, but the thing is with Miley Cyrus, though, it's like it's funny you mentioned that because she is right on the cusp of of like of being relevant. She's still relevant. She's and she's gonna she's gonna go down in history as like a really influential artist, which is kind of crazy. Oh no! How do you think her dad feels? Uh, uh, <laughs> like, well, I dude, think he's look, fine. No, he's totally fine. Look at her dad. <laughs> yeah, no I mean, it's like yeah. her, her dad had that one. He had that achy breaky that's heart true, song, he and one. then he had that hit rap song. Oh, that's right. He's I had forgot. a career forever. Yeah, yeah I, I forgot. Dude. That's true. I mean, it's like, dude, we want to make fun of Billy Ray Cyrus. In the, in the mullet, but for country music. Miley's still more famous than him. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And she's going to have a longer legacy in music than he will. You're right, but I'm not going to say that she's influential. If anything, all she's done is just kind of take, pick and choose sure. the kind of styles yeah. of music she wants to get in Influential is not on. the right yeah. word. What I mean more is like um, impactful, she'll like have in a pop long, culture. She'll have yeah. a longer career. And the best part of it, and the one thing too, is when she went out there and did that shit at the MTV Video Music Awards, she's, I, for her being as young as she is, she did come out and say, like, yeah, I was being a fucking idiot. So right. it's like Very having, admirable to- having an artist come out there and just say, hey, look, remember when everybody else was making fun of me? Yeah. I, it took me a little bit, but I watched that video as well. And boy, you, I deserved it. So it's like you don't really hear that very often. Right. But- Especially when we, we grew up in the 90s and we're used to Courtney Love, who was like, fuck you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anytime somebody was like, "Why did you act like that?" Do you remember when she tried to rape Madonna? Oh, that oh was my weird. God. That was like on camera. It was crazy. All right, guys. So we've decided as as a podcast team, we've decided the only way to get Metallica on the Super Bowl halftime show is to change this petition to "Can we get Metallica and Miley Cyrus to do the Super Bowl halftime show next year?" When we talk about this story, because we know this petition will come up again, and so will the Guar one. Guar one. There's been Guar petitions. Can you imagine Serbia. Guar at the Super Bowl? Just I oh, that's that's, that's football players, forty year old moms. I'm, I, but I'm just saying. I know I love it, but it's not th- I know it's not going to happen. But a hundred thousand signatures, though. I mean, it's like yeah, technically it counts. Yeah, I know. But we're we're. I, mean, I know we're comparing Guar. To I understand. In all fairness, but there's R. always odorous. I love you, but this is not a comparison. So the only way to get this thing passed is to do Miley Cyrus. And Metallica and petition that together. And I know some fans are like, Dad's bullshit. Hey, you need a compromise. Compromise is life. And I would love to see them on stage. I know they're probably not going to play like Master of Puppets. It's going to be some of the hits, but I mean, I guarantee you, 
It'll be a fun moment, and uh, it can't be any worse than and, what the and, weekend did last year. And don't be a one-dimensional music fan who's just like, I only listen to this, and I can't open my mind to uh, liking I, anything uh, else. No, no, Jaws. Uh, opposite of that. Anyways, moving <laughs> forward. <laughs> no, I stand by my point. You, 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 people have heard your point. <laughs> I stand by the opposite of that. <laughs> stick to those, what you love. Those are all the best people we know, stick right? That, that only love. stick to the the narrow things that they enjoy, and they don't go outside of it, and they judge people who are outside of it. Those are the best people in the world. And artists. <laughs> I think she insulted me. I did. <laughs> No, I like heavy music. I'm sorry. It was there. Sticking to it. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't need to know Miley Cyrus's catalog. No, I don't either. When there's I a heavy band out there that I have no idea, that I can probably. That's what I'm trying to say. Again, no, I'm not saying yeah. don't listen to what you don't want to. But what I'm trying to say is like, hey, if you like something, follow that path. I'm good with that. Anyways, moving on. What to Pete the just said story. is, if you don't like metal, you're a sellout. <laughs> yeah. I didn't say that at all. If you're not 100 percent dedicated to metal. <laughs> You are a bad American. Metal, yeah, punk rock, hard rock, classic rock. Uh, what else we got in there? All that. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, I'm, you're right. If you're not dedicated to that, you're a sellout. <laughs> <laughs> From Kiss going oh, forward, God. that's it. Blues before that. Staring the, stare the corner. Sold out. You're, you sold out. <laughs> it's horrible, guys. Anyways, I'm kidding. Um, the next story we want to talk about, guys. Rings of Saturn is a band that's always... I don't know. They got a good fan base. People do like them. They're, they're, you know, people are fans, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, I'm fine with them. Never blew my mind, but they're always got bad news just following them around all over the place. Uh, they blame metal sucks for always picking on them. I've seen that in other, other articles. I remember Lucas Mann one time said that he has, uh, I don't know, some sort of mental issues because of the badgering he gets from the website. What? Yeah, I felt bad for him. That's oh, sad. Man. But anyways, I, I don't, whatever. I'm not going to talk what about they, that. What are they picking on him for? And don't ask me questions. I don't know. <laughs> right? I'm sorry. I, I saw it coming. I'm like, you guys are going to be like, tell me. I'm like, don't, get, yeah. don't do it. Okay. Right? okay. I'm not going to, I don't sorry. know. Sorry. You piqued our curiosity. Yeah. So, um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know what all that nonsense is. Like I said, maybe you guys can go to Metal Sucks and see and make your own decision. Anyways, I don't know. But... Recently, this week, the next story to follow Lucas Mann and Rings of Saturn. I'm saying Lucas Mann specifically because he's the one that's in this uh, statement by his record label. Uh, is that they got dropped by the label over threats and baseless demands. Okay, so this is what Nuclear Blast's statement read about dropping Rings of Saturn. Nuclear Blast. Nuclear. Nuclear. Say it for me. Nuclear. Nuclear. No. Yeah. Mm, more, okay. More. Nuke. More. A- NB has a long standing. Love it. <laughs> Save it. Love it. Way to compromise. Nuclear blast. Yeah. Long standing. No, that was still wrong. Was it? It yes. sounded right. Felt right. Maybe I just wanted it to be right. You're just rooting for <laughs> him. Just like, come on, Pete. You got it, buddy. Nuclear. Okay. NB has a long. St- <laughs> just God damn it. With it. Just stick with NB. Just stick with NB. New balance. NB has a long-standing history of supporting its artists, treating them with the utmost respect and integrity. This included Lucas Mann and Rings of Saturn. Nuclear Blast is proud to provide the support and strives to make all its artists feel comfortable that they have a transparent, honest relationship with their label. Sadly, Lucas Mann, on behalf of Rings of Saturn, has brazenly threatened to issue public statements condemning Nuclear Blast in the strongest terms possible if the label does not give in to his baseless demands. While Nuclear Blast is truly shocked and saddened by Lucas Mann's actions, Nuclear Blast also does not tolerate threats. Accordingly, Rings of Saturn's have been dropped from the label. 
Hmm. Mm. I wonder what demands he was making. There is where we're going to guess because yeah. they're not out there. Green we, M&M's. We're kind of hoping that uh, there would be a follow-up from Lucas Mann by the time we talked about this. Nothing, unfortunately. No. Maybe you have to week. make us more popular. Yeah. So what kind of demands do you got to make for a record label in 2021 to be like, that's it, motherfucker. We're, you're gone. <laughs> you know, like, well, your contract, everything's pending. You said something that's making us easily cut. Now, I will say. Yes. We have, uh, even on our old podcast, when we had the old uh, format, we've interviewed rock stars before. And look, man, I don't want to blast any, I don't want to blast Nuclear Blast at all, okay? But some of the things that happen behind the scenes with these record labels and some of the things that they ask of their artists and the cuts they want to take of their merch and their record sales, and it's like, they just keep coming, 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 coming. That that could also be it. So I don't want to sit there and say that he does that. Lucas doesn't have a leg to stand on with his arguments, but at the same time, threatening and the, then going on and then publicly doing it. I'm sorry, man. Like in this day and age, if you're an artist and you got a record contract, you have to play the game. The days of the rock and roll artist and going out there and just getting fucked up and fuck you. I'm you know you need me. Those days are over. They don't need you anymore. So it's like, I just want to know exactly what he said and what the demands were by the record label. I don't know what he would be asking. Because like it's like most artists in this day and age, if you're not getting what you want from whatever corporate cog you're using, uh-huh. then, then you just go to social media and you create other content or something, you know, independently. So it's like, I don't really know off the top of my head other than more money. It would have to be more money. I would say, you know, again, when you're talking about artists, yeah, it's always money. Money is always the bottom line here. But we're also talking about maybe scheduling conflicts. Uh, hey, maybe the record label's making you take this person along with with them when they didn't really want that. I mean, yeah, maybe they're, te- maybe they're like, maybe there's a band that's on the label that's a rival dude, of theirs or they don't like and they're, they're, and they're, they're making... That's why it's like, it's so funny because I always play this game with Pete. I'm like, hypothetically speaking, what do you think? And Pete will never buy into hypothetically. Now he's getting mad at me for no. I'm not mad at anyone. <laughs> That's not, not true. Come on, let me ask the question now, he's again. Not, he's not mad at us. He's just disappointed. That's what, Oh, that's even worse. <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm not disappointed oh, at all. I'm not disappointed at all. You're gonna make me be a metal singer now. Like, <laughs> I, I truly feel that the only thing that he can say is that he's gonna like expose some people in that company for bad things and in order he's extorting money from them saying you guys got to pay me or I'm going to say this or send out emails and blast your company and threaten you guys and pretty much do shady shit and it has nothing to do with the actual thing or the band because they kept saying Rings of Saturn or Lucas Man on behalf of Rings of Saturn. There's right. The band has other people in the band. There's two other guys to my knowledge. Could be more. Um, so I think what he's trying to do is like pretty much you know extort the yeah. record company. And the funny thing is... Which is makes him the bad guy through always. and through without yeah. a fucking... Anybody who's doing and blackmail. that's what I think anybody reading this statement would think is like, all right, he's trying to blackmail a company. What has he got on them? Why is he going this route? And then they're like, all right, let's... let's well, here's, here's let's the worst thing. Ties. Here's the worst thing about blackmail assholes like that, okay? Yes. That think that they, they, you know, that think, they think they just have everything figured out. They don't understand that they don't have a leg to stand on. They just... And then most of the time, too, when there's a blackmail going on, it's like, okay, well, when they were wronging you so unjustly, why didn't you come out and do it right there and then? Why didn't you let the public know exactly the monster that you're working for? Well, it's unreal. Also, with blackmail, even... Even if it's not like about a personal relationship thing, even if it's just like, I know this about you or I have yeah. this on you, 
it runs out eventually. It runs out eventually. And you're going to get caught. And the worst part is everyone else is going to see you doing that going, I don't want to work with this dude because if he's going to, if he's going to, if he's going to end his professional relationship with this record label, what makes you think he's not going to do the same shit to another one? His right. history, like I said, if you go to Metal Sucks and you look up Lucas Mann and, and him saying his decline in mental health is something to do with him, his history of being a shady not good dude to everyone is there's not one story there's like 10 and they're all legit where he has to do a lengthy explanation afterwards of doing something weird and shady you know so i don't think anybody should have the sympathy towards that artist or band i just want to say as a woman who was out in these streets for many years okay i don't know what i can tell you she's a woman out in the (laughs) streets i I was having a lot of sex yes Um, she loves sex uh lucas's are shady assholes you You can't do that no you can't do that (laughs) No, I don't know. You can't That's just say <laughs> Lucas's. They are all of look, them. I, uh, I'm trying all to think. All Peters the, are good guys. Look, the best, Pe- the best Peters. character on One Tree Hill was a Lucas. Okay, okay. I'm not going to have this argument <laughs> with you. <laughs> that is not the argument I was expecting you to come with. Wasn't but, there a movie serial I, killer David Lee Lucas, or wasn't there? I've never even seen an episode <laughs> of One Tree Hill. Yeah, bring it. Okay, bring fine. It. You're right. I can't say it about Lucas's. Yeah, but. thank you. He just crushed you. Okay. <laughs> Don't be a Lucas. Like, never, th- never thought I would get crushed by something Chad Michael Murray used yeah, don't as a be, vehicle to launch. Don't his be Luke, Don't be Lucas phobic. Now, now keep in mind, it's it's. No, I'm just doing that because you know how that Karen is a bad term yeah. for women now. I, I love that we're taking names now and being yeah. like yuck. Yeah, <laughs> Lucas. What? Can yeah. you imagine if you had like a two year old named Karen right oh, now? You'd be like, dude. I gotta change this kid's name, yeah. man. <laughs> baby Karen? Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe your mom. Yeah. Like, maybe you're trying to pay homage to your mom yeah. or something like that. It's like, dude, there's so many things, and now it's just kind of like you're Karen. Like, what does that it mean? Means, well, I call it, the cops. It okay. means you're like a, <laughs> like a racist or a bitch or something. What does no, Karen Karen's, mean? Karen's like somebody who ma- makes themselves the victim in every situation, it, mostly in customer service situations oh, man. or in public situations. So it's like that lady when you're at the bank who's like, oh, what man. do you mean I only have five cents? I mean, I put $200 in my account last friday and now you guys do this to me and that lady that's a karen right i remember customer service before covid (laughs) it was like real Ooh. It died. It died. It's gone. Oh, there is no, <laughs> There's no there more customer none, service. It's because of the people. There was a legit excuse that happened, which is COVID, a legit excuse. And then customer service said, fuck it, we're not coming back. Right? <laughs> like, it's over. Oh, dude, it's, yeah. Well, well it's coming. Uh, yeah, it'll it, come back when all the restrictions are lifted. And I work with customer I like customer service. As someone who worked nice. customer service over nice. the pandemic, yeah. I can tell you that customers killed customer service over the pandemic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By being like, yeah. if I have to wear a mask, I'm going to kill your whole family. As, right, as, right. as a customer that hasn't killed customer service in the pandemic and now everything takes uh, an hour longer than it should and everybody gives you an attitude i'm just letting you know i'm really sad that uh, I and know. i miss customer service because i remember too. people being nice you know yeah. about basic things like changing tires or something know. you know now it's just i remember well it's crazy because i called up uh, <laughs> now it's just call, rough dude <laughs> i called up my, my and sometimes uh, when people are nice it feels creepy you're like what do you want <laughs> well like i called up uh, i had to call up my credit card company because there was a, just a dispute something and they just answered it what do you want cunt it was weird like, no just right, that's not true it isn't true yeah Oh. And his name is Lucas. No, oh my yeah. God. He's I'm like, hello, him. this is Lucas with Visa. What do you want, cunt? And I'm like, I called my cell phone. He's company. like, you heard me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, and and and, and Karen answered, and they were just like, you know what? It's not my fault because you don't understand that my cat just died and everything's oh. good. So that's actually a great back, use you know. of the word Karen. Yeah, I'm really you. proud of you. She caught on really right away. You don't get concepts. Normally, Pete just shuts it down. And so I just paid two months of cell phone bill. I said, all right, I'm sorry your cat died, ma'am, and um, I'm sorry that I waited on hold for 48 minutes and you got transferred three times, got hung up on twice, then called again and got you. But I'll just pay the bill twice. Yeah, Karen. I'm good. That's the world we're living in right now. No customer service. We'll just piss them off until they just <laughs> until they just until give they ignore in. it. Yeah, I'm not going to argue for the money. So basically, what we're saying is Lucas is a Karen. Mmm. Mmm. Yep. Mm. <laughs> okay. So now we figured out the Ring of Sanders thing. Lucas is a Karen. The male version of Karen is yep. Lucas. Yep. Customer service RIP. Yep. On the world across the board. Yep. And now let's just jump into our interview. <laughs> oh God. We did damn. some shit. What? We a did great some shit. Segue. I'm so proud of you. We learned some things. We learned a lot. We of figured things. out how to get Metallica on the set. Super Bowl halftime show. Perfect blueprint. We we put the the nail in the coffin to customer service. Bam. Forever. He now changed after, me after for COVID. my taste in music. Yes, he yep. did. And it was rightfully so though. So uh, you know, get on board. All right. Uh, and at this point, let's go to the reason people have listened to this far of the podcast. That's Phil Eisler, Scott Ian, and Dave Labarda. Let's jump into my interview with those cats right now. I got my, my cassette tapes over here and uh, oh, from, nice. from the good old days. And yeah, I got, I got two Anthrax ones, Scott. And I just want you to know that uh, two more plays and they're going to break, dude. All these cassette tapes are trouble. Yeah. The Merciful Fate well, ones, they're all, they're all, I mean, I... Death Angel Ultraviolence broke on me two, three days ago, and I'm like, I can't play these anymore. I'm scared. Thank you, God. <laughs> I remember seeing them. At, you remember the Astoria in London? Of course. Yeah. yeah. I remember seeing them at the Astoria, and it was the first time that the whole like uh, stage diving thing became a, a real topic of discussion. This must have been like 1991 or something, because there, there were so many fucking people on stage, you couldn't tell who was in the band. And... <laughs> It was. It, do you remember that, like, back in back in the day, like late eighties, early nineties, the people who used to do security, are like Hammersmith Odeon and the Astorian Brixton Academy, was a company called Showsec. Yeah, of course. They were fucking notorious. Like, it was all thugs, and they were all uh, constantly getting done for beating fans up and stuff. Yep. And um, that was. It was just like, it was a fucking bloodbath that gig. Like, it was just mental because the security just did not know what to do. There were so many people on the stage, so they were just fist fights everywhere and it was mayhem yeah it's, i remember it you know because by that in the uk pretty quickly like from 86 on you know we were we were already playing big theaters and they were all these seated venues and it so it was weird because you know the kids wanted to be able to do that but we were playing these big seated theaters and uh it was really frustrating it wasn't until like once uh they started opening up different venues to be a, like even the, the NEC in Birmingham. I remember that yeah. we had a huge fight with them over pulling the seats out and they wouldn't take the seats out for us. You know, they're like, this is how we do it. And uh, of course, then the seats get destroyed. But mm. yeah, so it, yeah. once, once you had places like the Astoria and places like where they finally had theaters where they took the seats out, you know, obviously it, it made it a lot more fun for everybody. Yeah. I mean, I remember seeing you guys at like uh, a Brixton Academy, which must have been when King's X were out on the road with you. It's like uh-huh. 89, I want to say. Yeah, ish. 89. And it, and there were no seats down the front and it was right. great. Yeah. But then I just remember at Hammersmith Odeon, I think it might have been Slayer actually. And I remember being up at, up in the balcony 
But seeing somebody actually go on stage and try and stage dive and just fucking face plant and into a row of empty seats, basically, because everybody pushed up to the stage and it was just this strip and they all just got out of the way. <laughs> this poor guy just flopped. Yeah. It's it's funny you say that because I remember when I, when I first saw Black Sabbath, it was 96 and Pantera was opening for them. It was Pantera and Incubus was opening for them. And wow. it was at, I'm out in Vegas and it was in this place called the Thomas and Mack Center and they put folding chairs all on the floor. And sure enough, um, when Pantera came on, they just flew everywhere, <laughs> like all over the place. Yeah I, yeah, I remember sitting. I was I was a little higher in the nosebleeds, but I was like, "This isn't going to go well." And as soon as it happened, you just saw a sea of yellow security guards running, trying to get. But yeah, it's like you guys don't know who uh, who's in this venue right now. <laughs> but it's a uh, oh, the good times, man. That's the it's, it's what we're it's what it's all about, guys. So everybody, let me do the introductions real quick, guys. I want to promote. I want to talk about. This is a great pairing. I love it. So everybody out there, Better Metal Sucks podcast on the phone. I got three people. I got Phil Eisler, Dave Lombardo, Scotty, and we are here all to talk about the Thunder Force soundtrack, guys. It is available now, all streaming and digital platforms. So um, let's start with you, Phil. Quick question: When you got the gig to do the music for Thunder Force, uh, when did you realize you needed some heavy metal icons to get this thing right? <laughs> uh, well, I mean. I- I, the first time I saw cut of the movie, there's um, Melissa McCarthy's character Lydia is wearing a Slayer shirt, and there's actually a scene where they're trying to take it off her, and she's like, "Over my dead body," kind of thing. And as soon as that came up, I was like, "Huh, this is something I've been thinking about for a long time." You know, like I wonder if I could get a band together. And, blah, blah, blah. and then uh, Dave and I have a mutual friend, um, Tyler Bates, who's a composer. He's been on my show. Yeah. He, yeah. Oh right! Yeah. Yeah. He's I'm done. Movie. He yeah. did the run right. thing out here in Vegas, and uh, yeah, I got to talk to him when he did the uh, with Madison and all that. Yeah. So you know, I knew he knew Dave, and I kind of, you know, just sort of timidly said, you know, do you reckon Dave might be in there doing something? And he was like, oh, you know, I can ask him. And it just kind of snowballed like that, you know. I just I I, uh, I emailed Dave. We had a chat on the phone. Um, then it was. Then I realized they'd been doing Bungle together. I said, do you reckon Scott might be in there doing something? And then next thing I'm on the phone with Scott. And it, it all, I mean, all of this happened really, really kind of quickly. You know, it was, it was uh, I sent them some demos. They were into it. And then, you know, it was good. It was funny that the harder part was, was explaining it to Netflix, who eventually really got behind it. But at first it was like, so guys, I need about a million dollars, and I'm going to get these two thrash metal guys. And they're like, "What's a th- what's a thrash? A th- <laughs> what? A thrashing machine? What's a, what's one of those?" And the, and they, you know, I suppose understandably felt a little freaked out by the whole thing. The, ben, the director, was great. He was on board with it straight away. He was like, "We could do that." Okay, well, I want to hear that. That's cool, you know. And along the each stage of the way, they're like, "Well, we're going to have to hear demos." So I'd I'd kind of do demos that were pretty close to how it was going to end up so then they'd hear the demos and they go well, well why do we need musicians to do this like this sounds good and literally if now you play pretty much any cue off the off the album next to the demo it's like oh yeah okay i'll shut the fuck up now because it's, it's it's like night and day and that's why i got the guys in because could have got session players in to do it you know there's some great players around and everything but 
Scott and Dave invented this shit. Why would I go for somebody who's just learned it or somebody else, you know? Absolutely. Oh, dude, come on. I'm with you a thousand percent. Now, one thing I did like, Scott, this question is going to be directed to you, is that I saw that there was a scene where you guys were doing war drums, right? I saw a video of that. <laughs> and Scott, you had to, to be on the same pace with Dave. Now, I, I know that you're a guitar player. I don't know how great a drummer you are, but was there any difficulty to make those war drums perfect? All three of you guys were involved, correct? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. that's no. I, I'm I'm a very rhythmic rhythm guitar player, and I'm a very also just kind of a frustrated drummer. So, um, yeah, any chance I get to bang on a drum, I uh, I jump in. And um, no, I there was no difficulty. Well, as far as I know, but, you know <laughs> as far as I know, there was no difficulty keeping time. You remember how Jay's going? Okay, guys, take seventy-seven. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you might want to ask Jay Rustin if he had to like move any of my hits on the Pro Tools grid. Or... <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, Dave, I'm going to go to you next, buddy. Um, now you, uh, the soundtrack experience and all that stuff. You having such an array of all the musical stuff you've done um, through the years, man. What was uh, the most different or maybe not challenging is not the word I'm familiar, but what was the most uh, different approach that you had to do to kind of make sure you were making everybody happy with what you were giving them? Um, well, I knew exactly what Phil wanted. Um, you know, um, his descriptions of the songs and, and, of course, the demos really, really said uh, everything and uh i was just able to translate and you know uh his his ideas so it, it wasn't you know the only difficult part i mean i would say is, is of course these songs aren't structured like a normal piece of normal piece of music that you would hear on the radio because you're 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 adapting uh, uh time signatures and measures to 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 film so your cutoff points are different than in a normal song, you know, at least, uh, uh, you know, in traditional writing, you know, in, in, in more like avant-garde, uh, it would it would make sense. But, you know, so you, you were challenged in, in knowing when to stop, when to start, you know, uh, where the accents were. So I had to make notes, you know, uh, um, you know, throughout the session to make sure I had the points right. Uh, but but overall, it, it was a lot of fun. You know, I think that's the bottom line when you do these things, even though sometimes they're challenging, it's fun and it helps you develop your own, you know, uh, expertise, I should say. You know, you know what, Dave, it's funny that you said avant-garde because one of my favorite composers, Bernard Herman, who, you know, for those of your listeners that might not know, was Hitchcock's main composer for a lot of, lot of his movies, for Vertigo, for Psycho, for, he also did the music to Citizen Kane um to all sorts of stuff but he was very famous for saying you know the thing about film music that i love is that and he always aspired to be a symphony conductor it's which is funny the grass is always greener right he's one of the most famous film composers of all time but all he wanted to do was like you know be the director of the new york philharmonic and uh he basically said you know you could kind of use the most avant-garde out there weird orchestral techniques in a movie that you would never be able to drag people to a concert hall to listen to because they want to hear Mozart and, and Beethoven. But if it works in the scene, they'll buy it. 
and mm-hmm. it, that's what's exciting about it and that's kind of what i love about scoring film myself too it's you know i can i could do stuff with you guys and throw a massive orchestra together and a and a choir and do all this weird aleatoric avant-garde shit that you know otherwise might have people kind of raising a few eyebrows but in a movie it's completely acceptable as long as the scene works you can do whatever it takes Bernard Herman did Taxi Driver too. He did, yeah. That was his last score. Oh, he wow. actually he he died. He literally went to the playback of Taxi Driver, went to his hotel, and died that night. Wow. Yeah. Phil, you just got Dave. You just got Scott. So now we got to do a theme song. You're like, let's go get Corey Taylor and Lizzie Hale. How did that come about? Was that Scott and Dave's doing it, or did you just get greedy and say, I'm going to get everybody I can? It wasn't quite like that. It was. Uh, <laughs> first of all, we were all set to do the score, and somewhere, sort of halfway through it, I went, "Well, hang on." And, and I was talking to Ben. I said, "Look, we, I'm working with Scott Ian. The dude's written some of the most amazing metal songs in the history of metal. Why are we not writing a song? This is stupid." And you know, again, I think everybody's response was like, "Well, that sounds like a good idea. I think that would be cool." You know, why don't you play us something? So I, I called Scott and was like, "Look, I don't know if they're going to use anything." But are you up for it? You know, should we just write something? And Scott was like, hell yes. So we kind of knocked demos backwards and forwards for a little while. I, I remember, like, I came up with a riff. I sent it to Scott. And then I was jogging one morning. And my phone goes off and there's Scott in a little quick time window going, how about this? And it just kind of went backwards and forwards like that. So, I mean, it wasn't long, was it? It was like a couple no, of days. And then I had the idea of putting the theme for uh, Laser, which is one of the characters in the movie, and sort of uh, before the solo. And that was it. And then finally, you've got to remember, this is like the height of COVID, mm. way before there was any hope of a vaccine or anything. So Scott had been away with his family, I think. And Yeah, we were in New York. You know, that's right. And uh, we were sort of coming around to the idea of, oh, so you can quarantine and do tests and maybe like meet in person. Like, shit, we could maybe actually, like, do this, like, in a real studio, like normal. So, um, eventually, Scott came over to my place. first time we met, right? Um, Yeah. And we sort of put a demo of the song together. And then when we came to record the whole thing, we still didn't really have a singer. We still, you know, had this idea together, but that was it. And I think we were already in recording at that point. And And again, we all quarantined. We all did tests every day. And we were just in a little bubble at the back of the studio, sort of away from everybody else, just us and the and the crew. And at some point, the question of a singer came up. And I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, Scott was basically like a phone book of, you know, who's who. You know, I was like, oh, fuck, I don't know. And then at some point he said Corey Taylor and it was just obvious. Because mm. Corey's got such an amazing range, you know, of what he can do between like Slipknot and Stone Sour and... You know, something like this. So I think we just sent it to him, and it was—I want to say like a day later or something. Yeah. Like, yes, I want to do it, and here's the song. Yeah, I think I just texted him and said, "Hey, I'm working on this score for this Netflix movie." I gave him like a you know a one-line synopsis of the movie, and it's it's metal, and we could send you like a demo of it. Are you into it? And he's like, "Yeah, send it over." And then uh, immediately wrote back, said, "Yeah, I'm into this." And then like a day later. He was like sending us parts, you know, like already that he had. And it was just like perfect. Yeah, just nailed it. And then Lizzie came up because we so we had basically Corey wrote all the 
all the lyrics and the melodies. And it all came back to us and played it to Ben. And Ben's like, this is great. Hey, by the way, uh, this is a movie about two middle-aged women. So, uh, you know, maybe some female power in here would be good. And we were like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it was, it was very dude-heavy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think almost everybody at the same time kind of went, Lizzie Hale. Like, is everybody had the same idea at the same time. And I think Corey texted her, right? Yeah, he said, I could reach out to Lizzie right now. And, yeah, dude, yeah, go for it. And, uh, yeah, a couple minutes later, he said, she's in. Uh, I'll copy her in. So, yeah, you know, it was sometimes that, you know, that kind of networking thing actually pays off. It's <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes tech, text messaging is actually good for something. It was. The entire thing was done over text, basically. Yeah. <laughs> every like mid-level metal band that listens to this show is so jealous right now to be like really <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm emailing everybody you know and i'm getting ghosted and, and virtually sky sky guy cory and lizzie and text messages like that <laughs> so, so that's awesome and what's and what's great is you know that it, it it really came together i mean it's you know look i think musically it's just a really solid arrangement so once cory nailed the hook and all that and you know even the like the cadence of the verses and everything um that you know that really it was like in lebowski it's like it just tied the room together and uh and then getting the two of them on it, it seemingly something that could have been you know a real pain in the ass and and uh and uh and really annoying to have to deal with was really super easy simple and came out great which is generally the opposite of usually the way things work you know like you have so many cooks in the kitchen and uh and it takes forever to get things done and you're constantly waiting on things and it's like this was moving faster than we could move like yeah. we would get you know what i mean mm. like it seemed seemingly like it was like they were sending us stuff and we weren't even ready for it yet <laughs> <laughs> hey dave did you text mike Patton just to kind of mess with them and be like hey Patton, send some stuff over too to mess with the song <laughs> no but no but i uh... I think uh, Scott and I, we took a selfie together and we sent it over to Patton. And he said, what are you guys doing? You know? said, what are you doing in a room together? Yeah, what's going on? Well, actually, we were in the same studio that we were going to record the night they came home uh, live Mr. Bungle uh, show. Mm. And uh, I don't know if we did it before or after. I, I lose track of time. Uh, I think we yeah. were... Wait, I think we did Bungle and then we did Thunder Force, right? Or is it the other way around? <laughs> don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but they're both available. Well, wait, hold on. I remember... Well, this doesn't solve the equation. Remember, they let us they let us leave our gear there, which was a huge help. But I don't remember which way it was. <laughs> <laughs> Thunder Force was first and then right yeah yeah okay and, yeah and everybody just in case you guys don't know that uh live recording is going to be released uh in june on dvd and i'm, I'm going to try to get one of these guys back on the show then so uh, june 11th <laughs> most importantly june though 11th yes most importantly, most importantly for all of you uh for all the super nerds out there it's actually coming out on vhs i know and yeah. uh a, th a thousand piece <laughs> limited because you know there are totally the dudes out there who are like, I will only watch on VHS. I'll never like there are those dudes for real. So 
hey, you know, we listened. We heard you, and here comes the VHS. <laughs> I'm letting you know right now I'm going to pre-order it on VHS. I know I don't get this. The, the DVD I saw in the press release has, I guess, more content, and it's just a show on VHS, to my knowledge, is, right. is what I saw. I'm fine with it. I just want the VHS copy. I haven't yeah. bought a new VHS. Man, we're going to, like, Matrix Revolutions. <laughs> 90s. Yeah, a yeah, long time ago. 90s, man. for sure. So, I don't have a VHS player, I don't think. No, dude, I, I have just so you guys know, I have like walls of VHSs and I go to eBay and I've spent like 250 to get a decent one and I've got four now. So I'm, I'm good for the rest of my life so I can show my kids some of these old movies I got on VHS. But uh, right. It, it's you know, I'm just saying it's it's hard when technology has gone. But uh, yeah, dude, I was a collector my whole youth. I can't I can't get rid of them. It's one of those things. You know, so, but yes, June 11th, as we mentioned, the Mr. Bungle DVDs coming out. I was lucky enough to see the stream. I thought it was a real library. I was schooled pretty early saying I'm, I'm a fool, but yeah, it was a studio. Um, and it was, it was fantastic. Well, I, I, for everyone, you know, <laughs> no, it was, it was the library up in, uh, it was, what's that place? That's right. Yeah. Uh, Rika. Yeah. Eureka. Eureka public library. Oh, Oh dude. Wow. I didn't know that. I talked to, uh, you got stop it, Scott. I saw you. See, I'm like, see if this was audio, you got me. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but anyway, so real quick. Um, now, one thing, uh, Phil. This one's gonna go right back to you, buddy. Now, you saw what uh, what Dave and Scott did with the the Mister Bungle demo. They they came back. They 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 refixed it up for you know Trey and and Trevor and Mike, and they made it one of the best records of all time. You know, top ten on a lot of lists last year. It was on there. You guys can check it now. If we go back to your composing days, how mm-hmm. what 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 film soundtrack do you think you need them to step back in, revisit, and make unforgettable that you've done in your career? Uh all of them. <laughs> okay, I mean, <laughs> um, man, I was just trying to think of what would have what would love that treatment. I mean, it's you know, with Thunder Force, we built everything from the ground up around the idea that these guys were going to play it. So it's like you know. And I'm not sure if it would certainly be interesting since I've written like a lot of kind of very, very sort of film noir orchestral schools or something, you know, just to let these guys loose on it. And see. But that, you know, that's kind of I mean, my dream is that we get to do this on another movie and that it's uh, and that yeah. maybe next time it's not a comedy. Maybe next time it's something like super dark. Yeah. And, you know, we like we, this yeah, <laughs> like, like general demeanor. Um <laughs> And we get to, you know, kind of let rip on like, or, you know, or a serious superhero movie or something, because we've sort of, it's like we've come up with the formula, but now there's so many places that I could take this that would just be so much fun, you know. Like, and, and a lot of it comes from my experiences of seeing these two guys play when I was a kid, of, of like the excitement of that moment when I first saw um, Slayer on the fucking hell, on the Rain and Blood tour. And wow. you see seeing the curtain go up and just being like that hair on your neck standing up or or the, the I really really remember you guys coming on stage on the Euphoria tour with you like I remember how, what the intro to, actually I think I must have seen the tour before that for Among the Living but just seeing the intro like hearing the intro tape roll and everything back then was so blazingly fucking loud yeah that just like you couldn't help but be excited by that and a lot of that informs like when I see the, when you mentioned Matrix, that's a good example. One of the things I love the most when you're scoring a movie 
is that first moment where you see the 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 studio logos roll up on the on the on the screen and on matrix they were all kind of greened out with the you know with the the matrix numbers over it and you were just like oh shit here we go it's that same feeling of of you know and that's why i can't wait to get back into a theater you know i went to see tenet the other night um even though i'd already seen it just in the theater and just the just like the fact that there are still people making movies like that and to be seen in a theater it has a lot to lot in common with going to a concert you know what i mean so yeah i can't that was a really roundabout way of answering your question Andy. i thought i <laughs> thought the question i thought the question was what just score not when a phil scores i thought you were asking like what score from another movie and so i i was gonna say like probably like star wars new hope or jaws i think should totally be redone because whoever did right. those uh a hack, obviously. <laughs> John Williams, yeah. The name is too it's too it's too easy to remember. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> There's too many of those. Who came came up with those themes. <laughs> <laughs> I do love the story of, of you know, Williams has always told the story about how he first sat down with Spielberg and played him the theme for Jaws. And Spielberg goes, Are you joking? And he's like, No, 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 <laughs> just trust me. It's here's the theme. Dun dun. <laughs> and no 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 that's it yeah <laughs> then just more of that and faster amazing well that's like similar to when uh and get uh malcolm came in with the riff to back in black bomb bada bomb bada bomb three right. chords right and in anyone else's hands that's like who gives a shit right in their hands it becomes back in black right Exactly. 100%. Yeah. And now, Dave, you did do the director's cut years ago um, with Fantomas, and you had to revisit scores. Um, was that something that was a, a very difficult process, kind of similar to this, or was it completely different as far as everything went? It was actually similar to this. Uh, Patton had uh, written the interpretations of those songs in, in, in his language. And so we had to relearn it and, uh, and then uh, record it and obviously perform it. Um, so that's, that's basically where I got my, my feet wet in, in the film scoring, you know, world, uh, or at least working with, with music that was used in movies. Um, so that was, that was a lot of fun. That was great. That opened my mind to so many possibilities of what you can do with music. And, and it's all just about interpretation. You know, what do you want to hear out of, you know, let's say a melody like The Godfather and, you know, what Patton did with The Godfather and what he did with and even Spider Baby and uh, um, several other ones. I don't, I don't have the titles in front of me, but his interpretations were, were amazing and how he, he incorporated heavy music, you know, into those uh into those themes uh, it, it was it was amazing loved it absolutely so i got time for one more question for all you guys so let me start with you phil real quick as i bounced off the the director's cut fantomas question if you can redo some scores like like scott was saying of your favorite scores of all time let it be john williams or evangelis i don't know who your favorite guys are but uh what would you want to try to do that in a heavy metal format kind of like they did with that director's cut with these two cats well, funnily enough, you know, Scott brought up Taxi Driver. Imagine that as a as a metal thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be something. 
I mean, the first one that pops to my mind would be the Road Warrior, you know, the Mel Gibson, because, I mean, when that came out, like, what, 82, right? I mean, that movie was, like, kind of perfect timing for all us dudes that were starting, you know, and we had bands. And, I mean, the music in the movie really wasn't, there. obviously, it wasn't a metal score, but it's just one of the most metal movies of all time. So, I mean, I feel like someone should redo the score and like overlay it to that movie. That would be great. That would mm. be great, man. So I, I, I think taxi driver would be stellar with these cats, man, too. So that, yeah, there's a lot out there, but little bits and pieces, guys, think about it. Talk about it when I'm gone. I'm good with that. I got no problem <laughs> with that whatsoever. So. I'm allowed to need a new project. <laughs> Scott, last question for you, buddy. Uh, I'm a fan of Motor Sister. Was a fan of Mother Superior. You guys are in studio. Can you give us any update on that new record by chance? It's actually being mixed right now. Mm. Uh, Jay, Jay Rustin is mixing it. Uh, I think we're seven tracks in, so uh, it's almost it's almost done. Yeah, I uh, we're gonna sit down with uh, Metal Blade at some point and come up with a plan because obviously everything's different these days as far as releasing records and what we're going to do but yeah i mean the record should be done in another week week and a half and then uh we'll figure out how to put it out there excellent man and we brought up everybody mr bungles live dvds coming out june 11th make sure you guys are looking out for that and last question for you dave just so i can go around the horn buddy uh, i want a new dead cross record so i'm going to bother you about it right? how are you guys doing any progress i know how busy everybody's going to get when touring starts and all that stuff but is there has there been any talks or anything about a new dead cross uh, sophomore release Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, the music's done. The music was uh, wrapped up back in late, late December, 2019. And obviously the pandemic broke and slowed everything down. I think Patton has uh, a couple more tracks uh, to, to wrap up and uh, we should be done. Hopefully late 2021 release. I know he had a lot of projects, uh, uh, that he had to wrap up, including Tomahawk and uh, several others. So, uh, you know, it's it's there. It's waiting. Beautiful. We won't hold you to it, man, because we know how, how things are right now in the climate, but it's amazing that we got those records coming out from you from Scott, but we're here. Everybody, if you guys haven't checked out yet, make sure you do guys. Thunder Force, the original soundtrack. It's got Scott, Dave, and Phil. It's great, guys. It's available now on all digital and streaming platforms. We're going to play the theme song right after this interview. With that, gentlemen, it's been a fantastic afternoon. Dave, Scott, Phil, thank you guys so much for calling in. Thank you. Well, and watch the movie. It's, it's yeah, man. Yes. Yes. I'm so sorry. The, mo- the movie, guys, make sure you're checking it out. It's on Netflix streaming right now. So it's a, it's a great time. So make sure you guys check that out as well. So thanks so much, guys. Out the credits at the end. Yes. Make, listen to the song and check out the credits at the end. Yeah, that's the thing. Netflix always cut the song off at the end, so you got to hit the button. Smash yep. that button. <laughs> that's true. Hey, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It always moves on to the next thing. Guys, don't do that here.
Metal Sucks Podcast.
the Metal Sucks Podcast. Gotta have this sound continuing in my ear. You know it's a 
right, guys, and we are back. First song you heard is the Thunder Force theme song. That's featuring Corey Taylor, Lizzie Hale, Scotty, and Dave Lombardo, Phil Eisler, and Tina Gao. Guys, make sure if you haven't checked out the soundtrack, it's available on all streaming platforms. If you have not seen the film yet, it is available also on Netflix, um, as we mentioned. Second song you heard, guys, is off the new live album, DVD, and as we talked in the interview, VHS. The Night They Came Home by Mr. Bungle. It's coming out June 11th. That is Bungle Grind. Uh, I just want you guys to know I did order the VHS, $24.99, EpicHackRecordings.com. That's how much I paid for that VHS. $24.99. Yeah. VHS. Yo. How much did you pay for a VCR? Dude, we talked about that in the interview. I can't get a good one for like 300 bucks, and sometimes they break right away. But I have four good ones now, so I'm good for life. I take back all of the bitchiness. I no longer feel bad about you judging me. Yeah, Third yeah. song, four. VHS play. <laughs> what? I got one in the kitchen, one in the living room, one in my room, and one in one of the kids' rooms. Unreal. Yeah, so we can we can watch yeah movies. Oh, wow. Anyways, that's okay. cool. Hey, you got to realize something before I, and there was a third song and I'll, I'll do it and say, you gotta realize if you teach your kids the basic stuff of like, Hey, taking care of things like CDs and DVDs and records, and that's how they have music and all that stuff. It helps them in life later. Mm. If you just teach them that everything's just whatever, then they're just going to be like, what? Who, they're not going to care as much. I want them to you care. Try, you've tried to teach I me I want this. them to cry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying there's going to be a moment when Briscoe's like in middle school and somebody comes to spend the night and then they see see a vcr player and yeah like, like what is this? you're either really rich or really poor yeah the only, <laughs> people, yeah, the only people that have a vcr are people that have the uh, uh, a snuff film you know what I'm saying? <laughs> is your dad a cop what is this What's happening here why is he watching crime footage it's actually that's actually pretty funny right there pretty good uh but <laughs> Anyways, or it might work the opposite way where it's like, hey, he's 17 and he's like, hey, let's watch this old classic 80s horror movie on VHS with some girl that's like he likes. And they're like, oh, no, wow, he's going to cool. be cool for sure. Yeah, he's yeah. going to be way so more interesting and cool. it might work out cool. for him too. But it's the point is you got to teach kids to care about this. You got you to have some tears when you scratch that CD and you can't listen to your favorite song anymore. I'm doing that with my kids. Third song. You guys ready? Mm. And they're going to have the Mr. Bungle VHS in there to see that performance how's that boom only a thousand available guys by the way third song i know we segued away <laughs> so I'd segue you guys heard that song though so you know what song i'm talking <laughs> let's about. seg in okay it's off the latest it's off the debut record uh black sabbath ozzy osbourne drummer tommy clufotis he's putting out a, uh, a solo album and it's called tommy's rock trip all right and that song is called got to play some rock and roll the new album is called beat up by rock and roll it's out may 7th guys i dig that dude i dig i dig his drumming obviously i mean he slayed it when we saw him with black sabbath those last two or three times and an aussie but dude it's a lot of fun that record if you guys dig that song that's coming out may 7th so those are all the songs we played buy all that shit okay physical copies physical copies well thunder force is only on digital but everything else physical copies yeah try to get a okay. physical copy yeah. get, get how about this record thunder force on vhs <laughs> I wonder if you can. Can you record off a VHS off of Netflix? I'm sure you could. Don't. Yeah, you and no could. one tell Pete Why how would to you do, do that, that because he Why will you, do it. Why would you? I'm not. No, no, no. That. He would never. No, that defeats all that defeats of what Pete is all about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So defeats the like, purpose. If yeah. I don't have the packaging and like the whole. No, I'm not. Yeah. But I'm not I'm trying to hold sure. on to like, like recorded shit. Unless it's like from you know yeah home but, video but like you were saying I mean, though, not, yes you can do that i mean yes. to your point i mean there, there is a minimalism thing and an economic uh, an ecological thing for you mm -hmm. know getting rid of the physical copies of things in mm -hmm. some ways mm -hmm. but I've heard, I've heard all these arguments and, but, and guess what 
hates him. He's still going to buy the VHS. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. I did. No, I already Pete's did. Not gonna, Pete's not going to be happy until some I got pelican is message. choking on his VHS okay. copy. <laughs> yeah. I got a text message from Epicac, you know, probably from Mike Patton himself saying, what's up, Pete? Thanks for buying the VHS. Hey, hey, we'll Pete. let you know when shipped. I already, it's good. We're good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I cannot wait until golden, in Pete. like 80 years when Pete dies. Somebody has to go through all of his stuff. I'm going to make it to 100, so thank years? you. 120? <laughs> How That's old are you, Pete? I don't know. Christ. <laughs> so I'm not going to make it 80. 80 years. But let's 60. Cut, let's cut our losses at 50 or 60. Jesus. <laughs> Look, whatever goodwill gets my collection... Hey, somebody's going to be happy with it. I, listen, I make fun because you're an actual interesting person who likes cool things, and I'm just a fucking basic bitch who's like, oh my God, Pokemon? Jocelyn, <laughs> please. That's so accurate. It's <laughs> <laughs> so all those years on the streets. All them years on the streets. Yeah, you can only take so you much. You lose your feelings. You, you can only take so much dick before you get really Boom. into Charizard. Full Look, circle. I got to say this real quick. Full circle. I got to say full this. Circle. Jocelyn was never a prostitute. It really sounds like we've been yeah. saying she was. This is just. This is just nonsense. Not true. Yeah, no face, no Treat case. Treat her like a lady. No face, no case, and brother. And don't send her no bullshit on it. And uh, people will hear what we're saying and be like, hey, I could send a random thing to her. She's here. somebody DM. And just so you know, if you DM me a creepy DM, I do send it to the group chat. She sends it to us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We get it. And we sit there and go, what? Whoa. We get it. <laughs> and we look at your picture and we're like, this guy. Yeah, this guy. This guy. Oh, boy. This yeah. guy's going to write you poems yeah. using his blood. <laughs> yeah. Sylvia, too. Yeah, we get him. Yep. Yeah. So, so expect them to come to us. And if you're out of line, uh, we'll do nothing. <laughs> All right, guys. Also, thank you guys so much for the five-star reviews on the Apple iTunes. That's all we ask for as a podcast. This outro is gone very long. I do apologize. It's just because we missed each other. Yes. Five-star review, guys, on the Apple iTunes. That's it. We don't ask for anything else. We put out these shows every week. I'm trying to make as many interesting interviews as I can, do different things, everything to keep the show going for all you guys that have been listening for, I don't know, five years straight now or, or even longer since the Chuck and Godlet days. We always try to keep it interesting. Not miss an episode and uh, keep it going for you guys. All we ask for is a, a click on the five-star review. We don't need words. We don't need comments. Just click Apple iTunes, five stars. That's it. And guys, we want to thank everybody supporting our other podcasts, Rise to Offend, the documentary discussion podcast. We are still doing Chuck Schuldiner from Death. The documentary discussion part one is out right now. Part two hopefully will be out this week by Thursday. And then we'll, we'll roll into another topic. But guys, if you haven't checked out our other podcasts, we discuss everybody, guys, and we've done so many different artists that have offended society in some way, whether they created death metal, quote unquote, like Chuck did, or something else, and we talk about them as human beings and where they are today. It's a great podcast. If you guys haven't checked it out, I'm really proud of it and this team for all the work we put into it. So that is Rise to Offend, guys, available on all platforms. And to be clear, I talk 50% less about my asshole on that mm-hmm. one. So. I'm willing to say I'm 55%. Say, I'm, I'm going I'm to <laughs> lean towards more. She really classes it up. Uh <laughs> Yeah, unless we're talking about Gigi Allen, then it's just her ass or his. <laughs> just, yeah, exactly. So the Gigi Allen episode is all about that. Yeah, it's like it's like a right. mor- it's like the beginning of a Mortal Kombat. Yeah, it's fight. like it's a like reverse like kiss. Versus <laughs> two yeah. buttholes yeah. just touching. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's good. It's like reverse the kiss. Of, it's the beginning of Monday Night Football where the helmets collide, but it's assholes. All right, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. The two boxing gloves in Rocky Four. <laughs> no, but assholes. Okay. But assholes. Until next week, assholes. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off.